Testing, one, two, here we go. Okay, so there are two parts to my message this morning. One deeply spiritual and the other practical. Has everybody got or seen or read one of these? Good. Does everybody, has everybody read it? Now be truthful now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, Brendan wants me to read it all out. <laughs> the most important parts are at, at the bottom. And I'll just, before I begin, just give a short instructional video on how to, how to use these. Um, and just to explain the fact that Rise and Build is a mechanism by which we save money as a church that's put aside especially for the purpose of buildings. Basically, either leasing a building or buying a building or, or doing um, uh, rep- not repairs, that's probably the wrong word to use, uh, but in investing in changing the interior of a building, all of those sorts of things that churches need to do when it comes to in- infrastructure. Here's a good word. Um, and so we do that by having a, a, a no, I was trying to think of something that wasn't a fund. We launch a, come on, help me with this, a, a, a vision, a, the word's gone. I need one of those hats that puts electrical things in your, in your head. Um, a campaign, that'll do, um, to actually put aside money specifically for this purpose every year, and we call it Rise and Build. Um, and to help people do that, we have a card here which enables people to decide how much they want to give on a weekly basis or a fortnightly basis if you get paid fortnightly or a monthly basis if you get paid monthly or a yearly basis if you don't get paid at all. Uh, no, that's, But if you want to give a one-off gift of your tax return or um, your birthday money or whatever it is you get, th- there's a space on this card to fill it out. Now, so that we know what's going on, we ask that you fold that in half and give us the half-marked commitment card because that shows us your commitment. The other part is a remembrance card which has nothing to do with funerals. But it's for you to put on your fridge or, or a place in your home to, to remind you that you have made a commitment to actually do this. And I haven't perforated that little bit, but it's not too hard to fold it tear that and so what I wanted to ask you to do is if you haven't already is to fill in the commitment part of it and the remembrance part and at the end of the service I'm going to ask people to take the offering baskets around and you can put that commitment plus um, if some people have been organized enough to have actually brought their first installment of that commitment this morning you can put that in the basket as well. Now we ask that you put your your name on these the only person who gets to find out who is, what names are associated with the amounts that go in is me. And uh, I broadcast this on Facebook every day. Uh, no, it's private. I don't share that information with anyone. And the only reason I keep that information is to help you keep track of what you've pledged. Um, I'm not there to police what you've pledged. What you pledge is between you and God. Um, but I'm also there to fix any stuff-ups in bank transfers because occasionally the bank's don't get it right and we've had a few um, accidents where people have put things in the wrong account or things haven't gone into any accounts which can be very frustrating. Um, 
So that, that is treated with the utmost um, discretion, uh, but we do ask that you identify yourself so that we can keep track of what's going on, and we do that throughout the year. Um, so that, and you can do that while I'm, I'm talking, if you want. I won't get offended. Uh, Nathan has some spare brochures up there if, if you've played around with yours or um, Jemima's screwed it up or scribbled on it or something. Um, and so, if you, and if you have any questions, that sh- they should all be answered in the brochure that you've already read. Which you have read, yes. Um, just to let you know, this year, our, our total so far in our building fund is $157,000. 257,000. <laughs> Sorry, yes, I put that back in last night after going to the casino. Um, <laughs> it was $280,000, but... <laughs> so, $257,000, which seems a lot of money until you come to price a building. Uh, but I, I think we should, we should aim... I like round figures. Who likes round figures? I don't know what it is about the human mind, but, you know... $299,502 does not seem like a good total to aim for this year. But $300,000 seems not only a good round figure but achievable. Do you know, our average attendance in terms of adults lies between 40 and 50 adults per Sunday. If we assume, because we're positive, outlooking people, that 50, we have 50 adults who regularly attend on a Sunday... Do you know that we would get, achieve that value if everybody, every adult in the congregation put $20 a week in? I think my maths is right. That would be $50,000, wouldn't it? So no mathematical geniuses in the congregation. Okay, well, you'll have to believe me then. So th- there's a good starting point. So I reckon we can hit $300,000 for Rise and Build 2015. That is my plan, that is the goal. Uh, and don't feel that because I've said that, you have to go around and make sure that everybody's putting in $20 a week. You need to put in what God has put on your heart. And I'm going to spend the rest of the time I have very, very quickly, and that's uh, preaching very quickly, so don't hold me to that. I'm going to tell you why you should be giving to Rise and Build. Everybody happy with that? You want to know why? Good. Okay. Uh, First, I want to look at a very important scripture. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Who's ever seen this scripture before? Okay, who's never seen this scripture before? Good. Funny how when you ask the two questions, the the answer doesn't add up to 100%. (laughs) Anyway. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now this is known as the Great Commission, and it's the blueprint for us as Christians to carry out God's plan of salvation for this earth. I want you to notice very carefully in there that it does not say anything about building funds. It doesn't say about taking over our neighbourhood and 
making disciples by putting up a huge building. In fact, nowhere in the New Testament does it say that we're to start a building fund. In fact, nowhere in the Old Testament does it say that. In fact, it doesn't suggest anywhere in the New Testament that God considers buildings an essential part of the role of his church. Sure, buildings used in examples of strength and the need for foundations of growth and stability, but that, notice that building doesn't appear in the list of spiritual gifts. Now, the ability to build buildings, gift number eight. It doesn't appear. So uh, some of you scholars out there are saying, well, hang on, what about the Old Testament? They spent an awful lot of time and money and effort building a temple in Jerusalem. But who was supposed to live in the temple? God. The temple wasn't built for human occupation. It was built for God. But with the New Testament, we don't need a temple for God because God's with us all the time. So some of you are thinking by now, he's not selling this very well. I'm not sure I want to be involved in Rise and Build because it doesn't sound like something that we should be aiming at. Okay, let me change tack. Has anybody ever noticed a trend on Facebook at the moment called pet shaming? It's an amusing photographic confession of your pet's bad behaviour posted for everyone to see. Now, I don't want to get into this too much because I have heard that vets are now complaining that the self-esteem of animals worldwide is being affected by this. <laughs> My only warning to you is if that's the case, your dog is spending far too much time on Facebook. But anyway, I found one picture which I'd like to show you which amused me somewhat. And I thought it was relevant. Don't know whether you can read it, but it says, <laughs> I ate the baby Jesus off our Christmas nativity scene, not looking forward to the second coming, literally or figuratively. Now, apart from the amusement factor, what drew my attention to this particular confession was the fact that this particular dog is no longer looking forward to what may happen in his future, which actually relates directly to the motivation between even starting a building campaign as well as contributing to, to one. We were really lucky this week to have a, a guy called Rob Carmen speak to the South Australian C3 pastors at our pastors meeting and he was a guy I had never heard of um, but was absolutely amazing so much so that we uh, invited a, a group of people to come up and hear him on Thursday night up at C3 Salisbury where he was quite amazing but not nearly as amazing as he was at the pastors meeting sorry it, it was he was quite mind-blowing I'd never heard it comes from Texas speaks like a Texan um, but he had some remarkable insights into human behaviour and, and the importance of human interaction. And he told a story that I'm going to relate to you, and of course some of you will have heard this. But he told a story of some researchers in the United States who had found that there were 300,000 people over the age of 80 who were still actively involved in sports. Now, if you think about the number of people in the United States over 80, you realise that that's actually a fairly small percentage of the over 80s. And when he said actively involved in sport, he showed a film clip of two guys playing tennis. And they were racing around the course, court, smacking the ball, 
really hard. And at the end of the match, they interviewed the two of them. And they interviewed the 100-year-old and asked who won. And he said, I did, of course. The other guy's only 94. He doesn't have the experience to beat me. And so the interviewers asked, they asked them, they said, did you notice there was any common thread that differentiated these people from the rest of the couch potato over 80s? And they said, yes, they did. You know, do you want to know what it was? <laughs> he did this very well. I'm not going to torture you quite the way he tortured us. But they asked, was it genetics? Because you'd think that, okay, for people around 100 to be out there playing tennis, you've got to have good genes or shorts. Actually, no, jeans would be better. <laughs> 100-year-old legs just doesn't bear thinking about. Um, but you'd think there's, there's got to be something in your genetics that allows you to be fit and capable at 100 so that you could play tennis. Was that the answer? No. They said, no, they discovered that there was no special genetic advantage that these people had over the people who weren't able to or didn't want to play sport at that age. So, of course, now you're saying it was diet, wasn't it? They had those special berries or that, that new, what is it? Goji berries or acai berries or... What's that new one? A European mango or Javanese mango or something that's just come out? I mean, it's a mango, but you, get a, you buy it in a pill. I mean, I thought if you were going to get a mango, you'd get the, the fruity thing. Much more appetizing. So they said it was diet, wasn't it? They were all on the paleo diet. Thank goodness that wasn't the answer. It wasn't diet. So the interviewer said, come on then, what was it? What was the, the key difference between these 100-year-olds playing tennis and the 100-year-olds sitting in a nursing home doing very little. They said, oh, we wondered whether you'd ask that question. Want to know the answer? I've forgotten. <laughs> the only common thread that they could find that separated these people from people who weren't doing what they were doing was how they woke up. Luckily, they did wake up. But these people woke up every morning with the view that they wanted to know how their life was going to turn out tomorrow, what they were going to be doing tomorrow, what the future held for them, as opposed to a lot of older people who get up in the morning thinking about the past and the good old days, and how they used to be able to do this, and how once upon a time, I was younger, capable. These people were not interested in what had happened in the past. They were interested in what was going to happen in their future. They woke up every day excited by the fact that today held something new and fresh, and that they were excited to move into it. And you sort of think, how can you be excited about the future at 100 because there might not be much of one. Well, I think, well, if there's not going to be much of one, you better pretty be, ex be pretty excited about it because you might as well make use of it. But that was the only difference, that these older people had an attitude of life that said, who cares about the past? You're going to wake up tomorrow and it's a new future. How am I going to attack my future? And it was purely that attitude. 
I mean, the 94-year-old couldn't beat the 100-year-old at tennis, not only because he was younger and didn't have the experience, he'd only been playing tennis for 20 years. You sort of think, well, that's long enough, isn't it? Well, not when you're 90. It's a very small portion of your life. So it's not a question of they were athletes that had trained. They just decided, he'd decided to take up tennis. Why? Because he hadn't done it before and he could see a future with tennis in it. And we've got to be like that. It's not a question of what's gone before. It's not a question of who's done something that we might want to do. It's a question of today, what are you thinking about your future? Are you thinking about your future? Or are you mired in the past? Do you have good memories? You know, that somebody once told me the secret to a great life is having someone to love and a short memory. Because people who hang on to things, whether they're good or bad in the past, actually get stuck in the past. Whether you've had a really... I mean, athletes, it's now been shown that they suffer from this terribly because they've had a past where they've won Olympic gold medals and suddenly they get too old to compete in the Olympics and they're out there still as ambassadors of their sport, expected to do well, but what gave them fulfilment in their life is no longer present. And so they're interviewed. And okay, what was it like in the 1984 Olympics? And they relive it all again and say how they felt and all the rest. Nobody ever says, what are your plans for the future? Because we all assume they're, they're, who cares about their future? It's boring. It's their past that's interesting. And so they start to suffer from depression. Because they've suddenly got this idea that their future isn't worth living. People only care about them because of their past. And that's an extreme example, but we all suffer from that. I remember when I was at school, and I was a good runner. I got medals for sprinting and things like that. I used to be able to run. You know what the good thing is? I can still run. I can give this guy a run for his money. I'm still chasing him, but I can give him a run for his money. I can keep up when he's running, as long as it's downhill. See, not too much downhill, because that's really dangerous. But I, am, I can run faster and further today than I could 10 years ago. Why? Because I decided that my future was going to be fitter than my past. Now, I'm not too ha- sure how I'd go at sprinting, only because I haven't tried it yet and I haven't found anybody who's interested and sort of I can challenge and thrash. Um, not that I'm not competitive at all. Don't get me wrong. Much. But we need to be looking at our future. And this, and unlike the dog who's not looking forward to the second coming, that needs to be the focus of our lives. We need to be looking to the future of our lives in Christ as going to be far more exciting, far more interesting, far more mind-blowing than it has been so far. Never mind the miracles that God did yesterday. What's he going to do tomorrow? What's he going to do with our... What's what's this whole thing about this this great commission? I don't know whether you noticed it. Can we have that scripture back up on the screen? Second page. What does the first line say in bold? New disciple, what does new imply? New, very good. They weren't there before. 
New disciples means, if, if you're a disciple today, you're an old disciple. A new disciple is a disciple that comes in tomorrow. If we're talking about new disciples here, we're talking about our future. God is saying, plan for people who haven't come into your life yet and to teach them to obey all his commands. And he's going to be with us when we do it. Not today. Not the people we spoke to about Jesus yesterday. But people who are in our lives tomorrow. So what's this got to do with the building fund? I knew you'd ask that. I wrote it down myself just in case I forgot. Simply this. There is only one reason we should have a building fund. And there is only one reason you should contribute to this building fund. And the reason is that you're excited about your future and the future of this church. You see, the great, in the Great Commission... Jesus stresses this whole idea of new disciples because the future of the church is always going to be in new disciples. I mean, face it, right now with this number of people, we don't need a bigger building. You're all fairly happy. I mean, the, the heater up the back's keeping the back row warm, the one at the front's keeping the front row warm, the people in the middle probably chose the middle so they weren't too close to the heater. Um, you know, the rent's pretty good. And you know, we don't need a building fund. I mean, come on, this place costs us a total of about $5,000 a year. Which is pretty amazing. Why would we want to spend money on something more expensive? But I know some people are sitting there thinking, yeah, but if we got a building, we wouldn't have to set up every Saturday. But... We don't need, really, today, in the present, a bigger building. But that's only if we look at our future and say our future is going to be the same as today. You see, we need to imagine a time where we can look back and say, wasn't that a good job we had a vision in 2014, 2015 for a permanent building? Because we now need that building to keep effectively reaching our community and continuing to make new disciples because we've expanded. And am I glad we planned for it back then because guess what? We now have the money to do it. And I, I can't guarantee you when in the future that's going to happen. I would like for it to happen next week or possibly the week after I'm flexible. But it may be next year. It may be the year after. But the thing is, if we're not believing in that future, we might as well forget it. It's not important. Let's just get on with our lives and enjoy it. Because we've got to be careful we're not looking for the wrong things. People will tell you today that life should be spent in the pursuit of happiness. We're told we deserve happiness. What a shallow ambition. True joy and contentment is a side effect of pursuing God. We shouldn't pursue happiness. Happiness isn't a goal. Today I was happy. Well, I'm fulfilled. I can guess what? Happiness is a function of your circumstances. And I think we're, we're rising above those, according to what we sang earlier. 
See, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, Paul's talking about his life. He says, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Notice he said he has learned to be content. I want to ask you a question. What makes you think God is going to change your situation if you're not content with how it is now? If you're unhappy with what you've got, if you can't have a heart of joy and contentment with where you are now, why is God going to move you somewhere else? Because let me tell you, we all know that things or changes of circumstance don't actually affect your happiness or your joy or your contentment. See, if we're not happy with this building right now, why, why would God give us another one? He's saying, get happy. Use it to its full advantage. Rejoice in what you have. Then I know you're going to rejoice in what I give you. Other than saying, well, it's a bit colder than the old building. The echoes a bit more, more, more. I don't like the way the music sounds. I don't like the fact that the floor's concrete and it's cold on my feet. You wanted a bigger building. What is wrong with you? Because, you see, I know we've been setting up in here for over a decade. Nearly two. <laughs> and some people are hardly sick of it. But, see, I've been to churches who have their own buildings. And guess what? They don't have a setup team. They have a cleaning team, a vacuuming team, a repair team, a renovation team, a building team. Jobs don't go away, they just change. If we cannot be content doing what we need to do to build the kingdom now, what makes you think you're going to be content down the track when instead of setting up on Saturdays, you're called to vacuum the carpet? On Sunday afternoon, before you can go home and have lunch. Oh, I can't stand this. Every Sunday, I've got to vacuum the carpet so, so I can go home. Well, Jess doesn't care. Because she has to do that now. <laughs> and she hasn't complained once. In fact, she even provided a vacuum cleaner. Which is the best form of complaining. If you don't like the vacuum cleaner, get a better one. <laughs> See, a building is a byproduct of a vision for new disciples. It is a byproduct of a passion to see souls one for Christ. It is a side effect of reaching out and impacting lives in our community. We're just planning for a future, for the future needs of a soul-winning church. Do you have enough sense of excitement to start planning that future now? if you do you need to fill in that form and get involved and rise and build because that's the only reason you should get involved it's not so that we can say haven't we got a nice healthy bank balance it isn't say well we're doing the work of the kingdom we've got money saved up we're, we're rich it's, a, it's part of having a vision of seeing new disciples come in and having the capability of teaching them everything God has taught us, having an impact in the world around us.
That is the only reason. It's not a focus of the church. Rise and build, we, we celebrate it, we launch it, we get people's attention on it, not because it's our primary purpose, because it's planning to be able to continue to do our primary future purpose in a future we can't see yet, but we have incredible hope, incredible expectation for, because we want to see something amazing come to pass, not because we're unhappy where we are, but because we love people enough to know that God wants them in his kingdom. God wants them as his disciples. God wa- wants them being blessed because they know him. And rise and build is part of that. That's all. It's not mentioned in our constitution as part of our purpose. And I believe that it's not something we aim at. It's part of the mechanism of doing what it tells us to do in Matthew 28, to go out and make disciples. Is that clear enough? If you've got your, your pledge, your commitment, or your rise and build offering, and I know some, some people have, want to actually fulfill their commitment for rise and build 2014. Hopefully, if you've filled out one of the old forms... So we now have forms that match that as well as forms that have the old logo on it. Um, just put it on the old form and we'll know that that's for the old Rise and Build. We won't add that to your total for this current one. Um, any other questions you have about the logistics of it, just come and ask me afterwards. But if I can get the ushers to uh, go around and pick those up, we'll bring the baskets down the front and uh, we'll all stand together and pray for the launch of Rise and Build 2015. So could I get uh, David and uh, Richard to collect those? Can I get everybody to stand, please? <laughs> we're going to do something this morning. I don't usually do, and we're going to do it fairly quickly because I know that some of uh, some people's uh, joints might be a little creaky. But I believe that attitude when we pray is important talked earlier about the fact that we need to be present when we pray but sometimes we actually need to take action to let God know we're serious and so this morning I want us to kneel as we pray now if you're um, not able to kneel just perching on the edge of your seat is fine but I just want us to get down you can get one knee if you find it more comfortable that way But I believe this, you know, we, you know, coming from a Catholic church, we did this multiple times every Sunday. And sometimes I think we lose the fact that getting on our knees actually shows a reverence and a humility before God.
which lets him know that we're putting him in charge. So Lord, as we kneel humbly before you this morning, we acknowledge that our giving in the Rise and Build 2015 is actually just a small cog in the activity that we are involved in that is essentially making disciples. And Lord, we thank you that we can take your Holy Spirit with it into every interaction we have in people's lives and that we can believe for a, an incredible future for this church because your kingdom is going to expand it and grow in this city of Norwood, in this city of Adelaide, in this state of South Australia. And Lord, we are planning right now for that future. We thank you that these pledges, these, this giving this morning is actually a foundation for something bigger than a building. But it's a foundation for changed lives, for joy, for contentment and your kingdom comes to rule and reign over this earth and we want to be part of that and this is our pledge to our future with you that we're looking forward to it we're excited about it and we're building on it in Jesus name everybody said amen and let me get up if anybody needs assistance, the person next to them, if you'd please. Can I get the worship team up here? I think we should finish this morning with a song. How about we sing Build Your Kingdom here? Because uh, one of the important things that I talked about was the fact that these people who were playing tennis at 100 weren't just looking forward to their future. They were excited about their future. And we need to get excited about the fact that what we are building, what we are planning is going to be beyond our wildest dreams.